Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, along with my natural daughter and co-host, Lauren Simonian, welcoming you to another session of self-coaching, where real life Emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. So, my natural daughter. <laughs> all natural. Nice to see you, Dad. You know Dad. why you're my natural daughter? Because we're talking about That's nature right. today. And we are, what are we doing yeah. with nature? We are learning. What are we doing? Oh, we are learning. Yes. And Lauren, you're going to help me along with this, right? Uh, sure. I you better. I'll do you my better. best. Uh, I thought maybe it might be a best idea, not even a better idea, but a best idea to start right off with our song. How does that sound? I know, Ooh, I know this great. is your favorite Let's song, so we'll, we'll talk about the implications of this. And You say that every well, week. It's, it's, no, but this one is... I do have a lot this of This is your favorite songs. of all favorites, I, th I think. Hmm. I know that this is a song that, in my mind, ought to be a favorite song. Ready? Hmm. You tell me if Ready. we hear it, because you don't know what it is. You're about to be surprised. Then here we go. I see trees of green. Red roses too I see them blue For me and you And I think to myself What a wonderful world Well mm, That is one of my favorites You're right Do oh, it with, so say, good. It, say it with me I see trees of green, right? And yep. red roses too I see them. Bloom. I see them bloom for me yeah. and for you. And I think, and I of think myself. to myself, wow, not what? think of myself, think to myself. <laughs> no, I think I think of myself. You think of yourself, yeah. What a wonderful world! Why don't you begin, Lauren? Since you're the guru of nature today. Oh boy! Pick, wow, I did not pick, know I was going to be awarded pick, pick that title. Just, just steer me down the road of stillness and meditation and awe and wonder and gratitude <laughs> and appreciation. Well, okay, I will try my best. Um, I thought about this topic because this time of year, especially, I think that nature has so much to teach us. There are certain things, um, especially in watching the trees this time of year, it's, um, you know, it's such a beautiful display of letting go. I mean, mm. li quite literally <laughs> letting go of the leaves and allowing for rest it's it's actually preparing for the trees to have the winter to rest and restore so that in the spring it can start to rejuvenate and reinvigorate mm -hmm. for the coming seasons mm. so so yeah. you, you sit and watch trees maybe maybe that's something we should do more often <laughs> yeah the trees i mean there's so many things in nature that you can learn from but somehow for me the trees there's a big i have a connection to trees I, i'm like a a closet tree hugger i think but um yeah, hmm. yeah I, I think i think that you know literally the metaphor of watching as the leaves float gracefully to the to the earth 
is just a beautiful way of realizing that it doesn't have to be difficult. And, you know, as, as humans, we often attach so much story and mental chatter to change or to things that have to, yeah, I guess to change <laughs> mm-hmm. things that have to shift. And, and we often resist it because mm-hmm. our mind is not comfortable with it. And if we were able to detach from those stories and the mind chatter, what if it could be as gentle and graceful a transition as the leaves gliding to the earth? You know, Lauren, you are such a biophiliac. <laughs> I'm not sure what that is, but I'm assuming <laughs> it has something to do with. Well, it's when you have a loving. relationship with the natural environment. It's biophilia. Mm-hmm. But you are a biophiliac by, by all stretches of the imagination. I guess so, yeah. 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 So... So nature, and obviously we are part of nature, but we tend to kind of dissociate ourselves. Like you even take your trees, you know, the trees, we, you know, we just look at a tree and we say in our mind, that's a tree, that's a maple tree, but we don't really see the treeness of that tree or really connect with the nature that we see. And that goes along with your, your friend Eckhart Tolle. I know that he, he feels that we, you know, once we get into the realm of cognitive, cognitively labeling things that we've somehow dissociated ourselves from that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it then becomes an experience of the mind instead of a connection of mm-hmm. the soul. Because I, I know that, you know, everyone has different beliefs around this, but but nature is alive, too. And so, well, of course, it, it doesn't necessarily have a soul. <laughs> um, it has it has a lot well, of not, living not qualities. Know, not that we know of. Not that we know of, unless you watch the movie Pocahontas, in which case they do. Is that a, car- a cartoon or something? It is. It is. It has some really great songs in it about nature. But yeah, and well, it's about the Native Americans. So obviously they had a very close connection with, with the natural world. Hmm. Well, there are so many aspects of nature. I mean, we could take, uh, you know, the trees being one manifestation. What about gardening, which, you know, I'm a, an avid gardener. Um one thing about gardens, I love the concept that, you know, you plant a seed and you you have this hope that that seed will grow into a tomato or some wonderful thing. And then we have the cursed deer. And I know people love deer, but they eat my tomatoes. So we, we had to stop growing tomatoes because now I have to put a six foot fence. Life is a mm. challenge as much as we may love nature, but getting back to gardening, <laughs> gardening <laughs> is that we have faith in tomorrow. That's that's kind of the lesson I see is that we plant that seed and we have expectations, deer or no deer. Yeah. What have you learned from our gardens? Mm. I just, I don't know. I just think the the idea of, you know, something starting as a seed and when you tend to it, it grows. It's like such a mm-hmm. metaphor for even our own, our own life and our own thoughts. It's like, if there's something you want to grow, you should water it and nurture it. And it will turn into this amazing thing. That's so different than the seed that you planted. But isn't that true of almost every aspect of our lives from childbirth to, you know, just learning something to becoming something it's everything begins as a seedling and not every seed, you know, reaches fruition, but those that are nurtured and, and taken care of, you know, grow into something sometimes quite spectacular. Mm-hmm. Another yes. life lesson from the garden. <laughs> that reminds me of that Native American story where the 
I think it's the grandfather who's the head of the tribe. And he's telling his grandson that there are two kinds of wolves out there. And mm. do you remember the story? That's Basically, it's like one one wolf is filled yeah. with anger and, frust- and frustration and, and hatred. And the other wolf is full of love and compassion and kindness. And they're in a fight. They're in a constant war. The grandfather's telling the grandson. And the grandson asks at the end of the story, well, which wolf wins the war? And the grandfather says, well, whichever wolf you feed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's always been a favorite of mine as well. And and you're absolutely right. That which we feed grows, whether it's a negative habit uh, or whether it's a positive habit. You know, so if we suffer in life, we have to ask, what wolf are we feeding? And it's really a wonderful, wonderful metaphor. I love that, that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And the idea also that you know, when you plant a tree, let's say, oh, it doesn't have to be a tree. Sorry, we're talking about the garden. I'm just, I guess I'm obsessed with the trees lately. Um, but when you plant something in the ground, it it doesn't appear right away. So there has to be some level of trust and faith that with patience. the right amount of patience, patience yeah, yeah, exactly. That with the right amount of care, eventually it will turn into what, you know, your, your dream or of your manifestation is. And, uh, I think that's also true in life. Like a lot of times we want something and instead of planting the seed, we, because we can't have it right away, we kind of walk away from it. But I think remembering that with time and patience, really miraculous things are. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I guess it's important to know that, you know, life is not a race. Uh, And that's a lesson that I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, we're in such a hurry. Oh my gosh. You know, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. You've got 400 things you've got to do today. And meanwhile, the trees are out there waiting to be looked at. And we we just are too busy. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like we feel that we're in a race for something. You know, what are we racing toward? What, are we, what is it? Uh, slowing down and appreciating. Uh, that's where nature really comes in. Because if you if you go out into the stillness of nature, whether it be a, a tree hugger like Lauren or you know, seeing flowers grow or feeling the wind against your face, the rain, you know, these are experiences of, of uh, I think, stillness, mm-hmm. as opposed to the, the, the race, the, you know, the race that is more cognitively driven. So yeah, nature can bring us back to, I think, a, a center that gets somehow displaced by, by life itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the, the Tao Te Ching, which is the, a famous, the Tao. The Tao. I, I don't know the exact quote, but I think it's um, no, nothing rushes, yet everything is accomplished in nature. Isn't that wild? And, wow. and the, the lesson there, I think, is like we, we need to, or not need to, but we need to be aware. We can become aware of the fact that we are called human beings, not human doings, right? And in nature, oh, there is. Hang, hang on one second. So, I want to just I want to understand what you just said. Did you? Is it okay to be? I think you're saying it's okay to be a human being instead of a human doing. It's kind of a play with words, but I hear the message there is pretty interesting. Right, because at our 
in our essence at our core like being just being yeah, yeah. is is who we are and yet we've sort of transformed our existence into doing and there's it's a constant state of rush and hurry and do 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 accomplish 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 and very rarely do we take the time to be still and just be um, mm. and that's what we learn from nature and even in that state of being which is nature i mean nature is the being state and even in that everything is accomplished and everything is like divine and perfect yeah divine and perfect you see we we tend to i don't i i, can't, I don't know how to say it as much as like for example zebras don't wish they were tigers and tigers don't wish they were antelopes nature seems to or at least i assume uh, they don't have the conflicts that we have, that we're not enough, we're not this. You know, we don't compare. Do you think zebras compare themselves to other animals? <laughs> no. I wish I didn't no, have no. these damn stripes, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of not having the cognitive ability for uh, deep processing. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have that, or fortunately, I suppose. But, um, but yeah, we can we can get in touch with our natural instincts even yeah. while living in our evolved state. You know what? Another lesson we could learn from our zebra friend and tiger friend: uh, zebras are typically the prey of tigers, and you know, so when a tiger shows up, what happens to the zebra? They become startled. The ears go up, and all all that other stuff that. The stripes begin to vibrate or something. Uh, <laughs> and then the tiger goes away. And what happens? In that instant, the zebra begins to graze. So, you know, animals have this capacity for not, not lingering with mm. anxiety or past experiences. And, and there's a lesson to be learned there, even though we're much more inclined to protect ourselves from anticipated danger. It's, it's nice to see animals that can just be because in the moment they protect, they're being protective of themselves, the tiger goes away and there's no longer a need. So the zebra relaxes. You know, it's good mm -hmm. to try to remind yourself sometimes when, when adversity leaves us, when hard times leave us, uh, when difficulties leave us, you know, we, we can just come back to being and just let it go. It doesn't exist anymore. The tiger's right. gone. Right. Mm. Yeah. I think we actively keep those stories alive, you know, as humans we don't let it go i know eckhart tolle tells the story about the little duck in the pond and when another duck thank you yeah i was i was hoping you were going to make some zebra noises before but i realized zebras don't make noises are you sure maybe they sound like me well you could have at least made a tiger noise that's a tiger noise wow in my jungle that's exactly how tigers sound you do not get a chime for that. Okay. Uh, whenever you make animal noises, I lose my train of I know, thought. I just, I just, oh, the duck, the duck yeah. in the pond. Eckhart says that, um, you know, he gives the example that when another duck swims by and tries to take, take the space or whatever it is that frustrates the duck, you'll, you'll literally see the duck flapping its wings. And that's a release of energy. Like it literally releases the energy of anger or frustration or whatever it is that you know, instinctually, they don't want their space taken up. But then as soon as it's done flapping its wings, it goes back to that peaceful state of gliding. Like there's no residual um, yeah. frustration. Yeah. You know, speaking about the nature, you know, it just reminded me of, uh, I remember my yoga teacher telling this story about a, 
uh, there was a frog and I'm, I'm sure I'm telling it wrong. And the scorpion said to the frog, can you give me a lift over the stream? I need to get to the other side. And the frog said, heck no, I'm not going to do that. You're going to sting me and kill me. And the, the scorpion said, no, no way. I need you to help me. I'm not going to sting you. So the frog says, reluctantly, he says, all right, get on my back. And the frog swims over. And he's about to deposit the scorpion on the other bank. And the scorpion stings him. And the frog says, what the heck? Hey, what did you do that for? And the scorpion said, it's my nature. <laughs> so, you, you know, you got to be who you got to be. And I guess, I guess that's another way of saying, how do we find out just what we're all about, who we are all about, you know, because there's such this overlay, this cultural overlay, it's, it's very hard to distinguish what we are and who we are, as opposed to all these manifestations of competing and, you know, challenging ourselves with, you know, climbing the ladder and success and all of that. Do you know mm -hmm. who you are, Laura? Um, yeah, that's like a loaded question, but I would say yes. It took a few hours. That's okay. I'd like to get an accurate answer. <laughs> Well, they, you know, in like Zen practices, they always say uh, you don't want to attach too much to the I am statement. It's you literally just say I am and you allow for possibility or everything that is because the if you attach labels to who you are, it then becomes oh, a, it becomes a product of your mind. And there's also this idea that who you are is different in every moment that you're constantly evolving. And so if you label yourself and pigeonhole yourself as a certain thing, then there's no room for, there's no space for who you are in this moment. Yeah. So I, I like that a lot because I am, rather than saying I am uh, a doctor, lawyer, etc. Mm -hmm. just I am, period. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, it doesn't have to go beyond that, does it? No, there's, there, there's something really deep about it when you really think about the idea of just being and I guess that's what we were saying before it 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 allows you to be one with all that is as opposed to putting these mental labels on it or constructs of society you know what is a lawyer a lawyer is somebody who studied something that other humans created so that they could do a job for mm -hmm. to protect other humans you know it's all man-made yeah. um, and who you are is so much deeper than what humans have created yeah, I like that. I am. I am. I was too. <laughs> and you will be. <laughs> Speaking of nature, one of one of to me, one of the uh, things that I've always marveled at is butterflies. You know, the whole cycle, the metamorphosis of mm. the butterfly. So now there's there's a metaphor of metaphors. I mean, you get this creepy, curly, slimy little caterpillar, right? And of course, that's my prejudice. But uh, but then they go into this, you know, this chrysalis, chrysalis stage. Cocoon. Thank you. And and what comes out of it is this magnificent, beautiful thing that flies away. So there's that liberation that comes from the metamorphosis. That what what starts out as this very arduous, lowly state of creeping along at an inch per hour is eventually set free to this this wonderful experience of liberation. There's a lot of life that seems to, that I think, can, can really kind of connect to something like that, that we have to ask what stage we're at. You know, are we just creeping along in our, in our caterpillar state? Are we dormant in the chrysalis state? Or are we beginning to, to shed our wings? Mm -hmm. Now, let me guess what stage you're at, Lauren. 
Okay. And there she goes, folks. She's flying away into the trees. That's, that's <laughs> how I see you. Mm, Me, yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, every once in a while, I want to go back to the chrysalis and say, just leave me alone. I just want to be warm in my chrysalis. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I can imagine a chrysalis would be very cozy. Yeah, I don't see yeah. why not. But what is the, I guess the, when you think about the butterfly, similar to the seeds in the garden, it's that same concept of like, you know, it's there's darkness before there's light, you know, and even if you picture a butterfly in a cocoon or a seed underground or those cicadas that stay underground for 17 years, <laughs> um, it's it's like a a metaphor of of, you know, getting through the difficulty. And on the other side, when you have patience and faith and trust, then you will emerge into the light. Boy, I'm so glad I'm not a cicada. Me too. Being in the ground for 17 years. I really can't. You, you're sitting there next to your buddy and you say, how many years you got there? It's only three and a half. Oh, man, it seems like seven. You sure it's only three years? Oh, God. You know, <laughs> 14 more years to go. Yeah, seriously. And then I the, don't think I can And then the time it. comes and, and they say, it's time. And everybody. <laughs> and then don't they only have like a couple of days above ground before they all. I, I think so. Die. I mean, boy, talk about. Uh, not wanting to be a certain animal but yeah hey what the heck but you know the, the cyclic nature of things I, I keep coming back to that it's just you know it's, it's it's like seasons you know we were talking about the trees and that but there's also sunrise and sunset and and daylight and darkness it's you know every day is an opportunity to realize you know the continuity of life I always, I always like to look at each dawning of the day as, as a new universe. And, you know, I love the sky and all that. Mm -hmm. And so when I wake up, you know, to me, this is a fresh, new, vibrant universe. And, and my question is, what am I going to do with this day? Am I going to let yesterday's woes contaminate my possibilities? Am I going to let tomorrow's anticipations infiltrate or am I going to use this day to find a little bit more about what I need, the I am part of me? Do you ever see life that way, where, where each day is this, this wonderful opportunity? I think I always see life that, that way. Oh, you're, so, you're such a Zen person. <laughs> yeah. I think once you, I, I don't know, I think, I think once you start shifting little pieces in your life and you start to see the miracles that are all around you it's hard to unsee it you know it's like it takes a little time and practice but then once you're there it's just shifts your entire perspective you talk about the miracles all around us and, and people use that term the miracles are they miracles or are they just expressions of something that we we really can't comprehend that are miraculous yeah well I, and i i think that you know, the term miracle just to me, it means like something amazing beyond comprehension. Yeah. Like, you know, even just talking to you right now through a screen, you know, with technology that allows us to converse across, you know, well, we're only a hallway apart, but still, and you know, there are trillions of cells in your body that are working together and allowing you to understand what I'm saying uh, through vocal cords that are vibrating so that you're, yeah, I, I don't know. It just, it blows my mind. I can't even like articulate, uh, you know, what it means to me, but it's just, yeah, wow. You're right. <laughs> on, on both the macro and micro level, there's so many, the flower, 
I mean, the, the why are flowers so beautiful to humans? And this is universal, I would say, and always has been. Why why do human beings see flowers as so beautiful? The colors, you know, how did that come to be? Was it to attract bees? Was it to, you know, what, you know, how did our world evolve with such tremendous diversity with mm. both purpose and significance and beauty? It's, it's, well, it's interesting you say flowers because in the beginning of Eckhart Tolle's book, The New Earth, he starts off by explaining how flowers and crystals are two things that human beings, um, even from the very beginning of time, were captivated by because they're so beautiful and yet they serve absolutely no practical purpose. He basically goes on to explain that the fact that humans are drawn to these things, it shows that that like that's the deeper part of us. That's the that's the part of us beyond our mind that feels connected to these things. So when you have flowers in your home and it makes you feel good, like that's your soul speaking. That's not your your mind. The flowers aren't doing anything for you. They're just mm. being and, and it brings out your connection to your own being beneath the mind. You know, I think one of the things from a psychological standpoint that's important is you can't just have, you know, the wonderful butterfly life. You, you have to have the caterpillar life in conjunction with that. You have to have the dark with the life because without that, there'd be no comparison, no, no capacity to know what is really uh, to be appreciated. I completely agree that you have to have darkness and there has to be struggle and, but I don't believe that there has to be suffering. I think suffering is a choice, even though darkness and hard times are inevitable. I think we choose whether or not we suffer. Now here's where you and I get into it. And I kind of know what you're saying, but our bodies are reflexive things that you know will will jolt at the at, at a snake biting us or you know the pain of something that is trying to warn us to to kind of keep clear of certain things that are harmful and our bodies suffer don't they if we if we cut ourselves those see that's where i get a little bit lost in this. well there's a difference between pain and suffering so i'm sure you agree with this this is what your books are all about it's like the more that you're thinking perpetuates the problem, the bigger the problem gets. So suffering, I actually, um, a friend of mine had just posted something on Facebook. She had jaw surgery and her, Ew. her jaw. Yeah. She, she won't be able to eat solid foods for three months. Like, I don't know how easy it is for her to talk. Her jaws like wired shut. And so she posted something on her birthday that showed a little like medical syringe that she was eating her birthday dinner with. It was like, I don't know, pureed soup or something. And she wrote, uh, you know, that she's in a bit of pain, but she's very aware of the fact that suffering is optional and she chooses not to suffer. So she brings her attention to the present moment, to the things around her. She's not focusing on the fact that like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. Or how long is it going to be? Or, you know, all those thoughts, she just clears away and she allows herself to be alive in the moment and not put all of the attention just on the thing that's bothering her. Like you can disperse your attention. I think I got it. I think I'm getting it. Um, so, so pain has to be interpreted in the brain. Mm -hmm. right? So if I interpret pain as I can't stand this, this is horrible, then we suffer. Correct. And if on the other hand, uh, I, I do not allow myself to cling mentally to that pain, which is a discomfort of the body, 
then I may feel the pain in my body, but not necessarily suffer in my mind. Is that, is that, do I have it? You have it. Yep. You just don't attach to the pain. That's all. Okay, I get you it notice it. I get it you respect it. Oh, yep. <laughs> I got myself a gong on that one. That was nice. Thank you. <laughs> so, so, so when I go to the, you know, where, and yeah. uh, I'm sitting in the chair and I feel something not natural going on in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking about a dentist, of course. I know. <laughs> so how i interpret that a lot of it depends on is this pain going to last how bad is this going yeah you know, all that kind of mental stuff that's that's the suffering that is needless so you can uh, yeah I, i'm struggling a little bit but i get it though i think i really get it you can you can feel pain in your body but for you to suffer you have to be dancing with that pain exactly yeah. Yeah. And the, and the other thing that's like always, I think, important to remember, although it's really difficult when you feel pain in your body, there's usually like one particular part of your body that is in pain. And mm-hmm. if you can challenge yourself, like when you're at the dentist and you're feeling pain in your mouth, the, the other parts of your body are still alive at the same time. So I would encourage you to challenge yourself to see, like, can I feel the energy in my toes? Can I feel the energy in my fingertips? Like use your attention to find what else is real in that moment too. Cause like there might be pain in in your mouth, but there also might be like aliveness in your fingers. And so Mm -hmm. if you can actually like disperse your attention away from the pain, it also helps to not attach mentally. So we are talking today, not just about, we're not just suffering today. We're talking about learning from nature. And Lauren, uh, there's no way I'm going to let this podcast go on without mentioning the night sky. You, you know, I have to. If we're going to learn from nature, then we have to expand our view and our universe into the night sky. So let me just say, I've been working on an, an astrophoto of the North American Nebula. And if anyone is curious enough, I, I I ask you to go to Google and just type in North American Nebula. And when you see what you'll see is this wonderful nebula that has all this reddish glow, the the nebulosity. But what's fascinating are the millions and millions and millions of stars that you'll see. It's incomprehensible. Each one of those stars is a a solar system like ours uh, with a sun and maybe its planets and stuff like that. But the, the, uh, the immensity of that, and it's just one tiny, microcosm of the whole universe well when you see something like that there is a humbleness there is a an appreciation for for understanding our place and our place is not one of grandiosity you know it is not a heliocentric view it is it is our place in this vast unknown miraculous universe of things that are inexplicable to me that has a very, very, just a soothing and humbling effect. For some, it causes panic, you know, that they feel they feel panicky about being too insignificant. But uh, for me, it has always had that very calming perspective. Maybe that's the best thing I'm trying to say. It gives me perspective on who and what I am and, you know, my place in this world, in my life, in the universe. Is that like 
me because I'm a nerdy, weird guy with space and all that stuff. No, it's so, I, I think, you know, there's just like this inherent wonder when people look mm -hmm. up at the nighttime sky and you've just taken it to a whole nother level. But, um, but, but anyone who feels insignificant when looking at the universe should remember that it's actually a reflection of what's inside of you. Uh, they say that like our inner world made up again of like trillions and trillions of atoms and cells like we represent a, a universe in inside of ourselves like yeah, what's yeah. within is the same as what's without we are made of stardust literally we yeah. literally are yeah so we are the opposite of insignificant <laughs> you know what i learned today or yesterday or the day before i can't remember which but this this blows my mind for any anyone out there that is interested in in astronomy nerd stuff you know most people have heard of the black hole where the stars collapse in the center and they and they just sort of feed on themselves and and suck everything into it and everything gets absorbed even light well now they're saying that there's a possibility that where a black hole leads is that everything gets sucked into it and into it and into it and then it erupts into a white hole which is the born the birth of a new universe and the whole Big Bang may have been the birth of our universe from a pre-existing black hole of another universe. So, so that goes, you know. Doo -doo 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 -doo. I just got chills when you were explaining that. That's so cool. It's like there's so much more. Oh, so much more. We will never, ever be able to grasp or understand. But when you get into cosmology, uh, it, it makes you realize the things that we know versus the things that we don't know it's it's laughable yeah and that's why i think the best teacher is nature it it's been here since since you know the beginning of time whereas as humans like we only see things through a very uh narrow prism narrow yeah <laughs> yes thank you that's perfect um yeah so we can learn so much about what is real like through nature mm. the real yeah, what what is what is the knowable? That's always fascinated me. Uh, I think I've told you before about it. When I was working construction as a as a youngster, there was a guy, a truck driver. One he used to deliver dirt or something to the site, and uh, he he was a know it all. No matter what you told him, I know it. So you say, uh, hey, uh, I'll, I'll give him a name, John. Hey, John, your your truck's leaking oil. I know it. One day he was driving home from work and he had had about a six pack of beer and he was stopped on the highway by the, the state trooper and the state trooper said, I pulled you over because you're, you're driving with your headlights out. I know it. I see better with them out. <laughs> so there are some people, there are some people who have no problem thinking that they know everything and, and they're shielded by their ignorance. I mean, to, to, to John, in that case, uh, the universe and the vastness, it's irrelevant, you know, so it's not that John who thinks he knows everything is is really living a better or worse life than someone who who contemplates the cosmos but but it's it's what what our worlds are considered we, we all have different worlds that we live in and if you're content and happy you know it's God bless you don't need to change what works if something works for you and it's contrary to what a lot of people around you are saying wah, 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 you don't have to listen to the wah, wah, wahs. Go on being what works for you, even if it's a bit at odds with uh, with others' feelings. And, and you don't have to, you know, be so connected to nature, but it's just there for you if you decide you want a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
Oh, and I almost forget. I was thinking about, I was talking to uh, Uncle Ron today about uh, our doggies that have come and gone. What about pets? I mean, we learn a lot from pets, don't we? Mm. I mean, they teach us about unconditional love and well, you know, it's amazing, right? When you have, a, especially dogs, I don't know too much about cats, but, you know, there's something that we could learn about their way of responding to us that is unconditional, isn't it? You know, there's something very wonderful about that as well. Yeah, it's why they make such good therapy animals. Yes. Just to have people, it literally changes, uh, you know, certain stress hormones and people that have anxiety and people that are, dealing with chronic disease and things like that yeah does that work as well for flowers and plants that people bring flowers to hospitals i guess i guess it has the same kind of so. effect you know nature yeah you know there's so many manifestations of nature that seem to resonate with what makes us feel better mm-hmm. yeah true so as we go on here um i know you don't want to run over today because you're about to uh join the rest of the race that goes on around our podcasts but do you know what time it is law what's the rest of the race the rat race oh <laughs> yeah. i'm fine being a human being for right now you're, you're fine. i could be a human be- doing later i do know what time it is oh but before i say that oh. I mean, <laughs> maybe maybe i'm keeping you from going out and hugging a tree that's accurate okay so i asked you what time it is and we stumbled what time is it doggone it tree hugging time no 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 it's not true (laughs) (laughs) we have so much to learn from nature being a gardener i'll admit when i see a dandelion's bright yellow flower in my lawn i can't wait to pluck the offending weed and yet What exactly is the difference between a weed and a flower? Well, the difference is our perception. Nature doesn't discriminate, we do. Humans are always living in a binary world of good, bad, positive, negative, and yet, who's to say unequivocally that vegans are better than vegetarians or Democrats are better than Republicans? So what can we learn from nature? For starters, tolerance, acceptance, liberation from knee-jerk prejudices. And remember, the dandelion manifests itself and its intrinsic beauty, whether it grows alongside a red rose or a patch of poison ivy. For you to be free of self-doubt and insecurity, then you must manifest your intrinsic beauty. How? By being who and what you are, without comparisons, without regret. And as Dr. Seuss told us, today you are you. That is truer than true. There is no one alive who is fewer than you. (laughs) I love it. There's no one alive that is fewer than you. I love that word. Y-O-U-E-R. Fewer than you. So I guess we've exhausted ourselves once again, prattling on, and now we're at that pivotal point in our podcast where we either belabor the ending, we we sever it with uh, uh, cleaving the head off the, the, the neck of this podcast. Oh my gosh, that's intense. <laughs> or we embrace it like a tree and just go on with a little prattling. What, what is your preference tonight? Um... I guess we could just, what are, wait, what's the embracing option? 
<laughs> I didn't even know what you were just saying. We don't, we don't put ourselves in a box. We just let it unfold. We just and let it that. be. Yeah, we go on for another 25, 30 minutes. Um, okay, I'm going to say not that option. Okay. Maybe just another two minutes? Nope, not even two minutes. I'm, I'm oh. really, really feeling that we've overextended ourselves. Really? Yeah. I, I think that there are a lot of interesting points today, but it's a, a very uh, fluid as, as nature is, right? Like there wasn't really a, a constant focus. thread and there wasn't too much transition. Are you saying we, was, we rambled through this podcast? I think we rambled like the wind or like a rushing brook. Well, that's it. Oh, you did it. Lauren, you did it again. See, folks, Lauren just resurrected this mediocre podcast by letting <laughs> you know that it's not, it may seem mediocre, but it absolutely was by design. We did this on purpose. This yeah. was a designed podcast <laughs> to let you experience the wind. <laughs> The flow, the ebb and flow, the oceanic experience, the gravitational pull of knowledge. Oh, it was so great. <laughs> yes. And I'm also uh, just Googling quickly, what noise does a zebra make? Of course, here goes my millennial daughter with her little phone. Google. I don't okay, know wait, if... let me see. It's going to make the sound. It's going to make a sound? I think so. The only sound. Oh, my gosh. That was it? Did you put, hear put it? Put it again by the microphone. Wait, hold on one second. Oh my God, this is like earth shaking a zebra sound. That can't really be, could it? Wow. Did you hear that? Wait, that, no? Okay, hold on here. Oh, I lost it. It sounded like, yeah, you're actually doing a really good interpretation. How weird is that? <laughs> I love it. All right, listen, we're going to take off here. Is it okay. is just anything you want to blurt out? Do it in the next five seconds. Four, yeah. three, two. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. And visit our website, selfcoaching.net, where you can learn more about our self-coaching philosophy. And while you're there, check out my latest number one selling book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression. So until next time. Remember that being victimized by emotional struggle, it's really not an option. By definition, victims are powerless, and you are not powerless. Remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join Lauren, hug that tree with her, and me every week, and let's make it simple together. Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, life is what you make of it.